Hey dog people of the internet, welcome to Cog Dog Radio, a podcast all about dog sports, behavior, and training. I'm your host, Sarah Stremming of the Cognitive Canine, and I can't wait to share my behavior cases, training revelations, and general geekery with you. Let's get started. All right, friends, today is all about hierarchical reinforcement. This is a phrase that, as far as I know, I made up a phrase that is used in areas outside of learning theory that I don't understand. But within dog training, hierarchical reinforcement, I'm going to say, is utilizing a hierarchy of appetitive stimuli differentially to reinforce selective behaviors. And in simple terms, your payment matches the effort or the desirability when you're training the desirability of the behavior or the effort that it took to do the behavior from the learner. And don't worry, I'm going to give you examples because I know that that is really convoluted and kind of hard to understand. So first of all, recalls are something that I use hierarchical reinforcement for because I don't use this for everything but I absolutely use it intentionally as part of my recall training plan. And what that means is that I use, generally speaking, three values of reinforcer. I use good, I'm gonna call them good, great, and wow reinforcers. These tend to be food reinforcers. So examples might be, and this very much depends on your learner. They're the ones that decide the hierarchy. So this might be kibble for good, soft treats like Zwee Peak for great, and then the skin off the salmon I ate last night for wow. So something really big, really packs a punch. And again, depends on the learner. When I first got Raya, the great treats were steak. The good treats were Zwee Peak. And then the wow um, had to be something really, really big deal. So that salmon skin would work. The rind off of maybe a piece of brie or some baby food, something like that. Wow had to be novel and really tasty and interesting. And that's true for most dogs, but it doesn't actually matter what good, great, and wow are. This is what everybody wants to know. They want to know, so then what do you use when that's not the interesting question at all? The interesting question is, how are you putting this to use? How is this working for you? And what happens is that in the initial acquisition of recall-like behaviors, everything is reinforced with great food. And then as the check-in or the offered recall behavior, so meaning uncued recall behavior, unprompted, starts to be reinforced with good value treats, and then I stay there forever. I reinforce check-ins forever with my good value treats. And I reinforce uh, relatively easy recalls with my great treats. And I reserve those wow treats for wow recalls. So again, like I said, the payment matches the effort of the behavior. So if I had to recall the dog mid chase of a deer, they're going to get the wow treat. When I recalled, uh, Rhea and Felix away from a black bear last week, they got wow treats. I reserve wow treats in like in my freezer, anything I've got something that I'm going, okay, I'm not going to finish this. And this is going to be a wow treat. I just pop it in a baggie or a little Tupperware and I throw it in my freezer. And when I'm going out hiking, I just grab one of those containers and nine times out of 10, I don't use it. 
nine times out of 10, it's just in my pouch. And then when I get home, I throw it back in the freezer and I use it next time because nine times out of 10, we don't see a black bear. We don't see anything that warrants a reinforcer like that. So recalls are a really perfect example of kind of for life, once it is trained, I reinforce offered check-ins with good. Um, I reinforce typical recalls with great because it's a very important behavior to me. And I reinforce difficult or challenging recalls with wow. Another example might be if you're working on your dog walk contact or maybe your teeter contact and your desired behavior is a stopped to on to off, I might implement a hierarchical reinforcement strategy here, meaning that if the dog stops in that perfect two on two off, I'm going to release a head to reinforcement. And if the dog stops maybe four on or makes an effort to stop, but stops four on the ground, then I might give them a room service type reinforcement. So I might bring them that reinforcer and pay them in position. And this is going to depend on my learner because my learner just prefers to sit back and wait to be brought the reinforcer, then I might need to turn the tables there and reinforce the perfect thing that I want with room service versus release ahead. And how do you know? You know by looking at the data, you know by is my dog walk performance improving? Am I getting more repetitions of the thing that I wanted that that perfect two on two off or not? And if I'm getting more repetitions of the four on or the four off stop, then I know that that's actually the preferred reinforcer and I got the hierarchy wrong. This is not about, you know, everybody goes, well, is this one more reinforcing than the other one? Well, you don't know until you look at the behavior. The behavior tells you which one is more reinforcing than the other one. Nothing else tells you that. Your predictions don't tell you that. Your dog's history doesn't even tell you that. The behavior, the effect that the reinforcement has on behavior is what tells you that. And then just to get real complicated, I also have a shaping procedure that I utilize for dogs that have a hard time with training. They have a hard time hanging out, hanging in there through difficulty. I call it never wrong, sometimes more right. And what it is, is that when the dog offers kind of lower rung approximations, so if we're going off um, a shaping theory that we're shooting for one kind of level of approximation, we're kind of shooting for that or better, but we have some lower approximations that are approximations of the final behavior, we might reinforce those lower rung approximations with a lower value food and pay those higher rung approximations with a higher value food. Here's what people want to do instead. They want to jackpot those higher rung approximations. When you, and defining jackpot, usually it's a big emotional response from the person and several treats or it might even be breaking off and into a game of tug or something. When you do that, you tend to actually just slow your learning down. You tend to interrupt the thinking process, the learning process that the dog is having versus this really clean procedure of nothing changed except for you got cheese for that and kibble for this tends to work without interrupting the process, without breaking that flow. And without having a big emotional outburst from the human, which tends to be more disruptive than anything. So of course, if you're going to utilize hierarchical reinforcement, essentially you want to know what approximations will be paid. And then you want to know what approximations are going to be paid with your lower hierarchy reinforcers versus your higher value reinforcers. 
This could be true of anything that you are training. You might reinforce semi-crooked fronts with a certain value reinforcer and straight dead-on fronts with a higher value reinforcer. It's so important that you are consistent and it's so important that you know what you're paying for because that consistency is what's going to tell you if this is working or not. If you are sloppy and you're kind of all over the board, then you don't know what's working. You don't know what's what. And that's true of all training, right? It doesn't matter if you're trying to utilize hierarchical reinforcement or not. Also, you know, never forget that reinforcement and punishment are defined by their function. You don't really get to decide what the hierarchy is. You have to watch the behavior and watch where the behavior flows and understand that that is what will tell you what the hierarchy is. You can make guesses and you should guess based on your dog training history and also based on the dog that you're training make the best guess that you can but then pay attention to what's happening with the behavior so that you do know if your procedure is working or not what you expect to see in training is always a hypothesis the results have to be examined you don't say okay so what i'm going to do is when the dog comes all four off the board i'm going to deliver a toy to the dog's mouth and play tug. But when the dog stops in a two-on-two-off, I'm going to release a head to a thrown tug. And that's going to reinforce two-on-two-off and two-on-two-off is going to be better. That's actually just your hypothesis. You have to then pay attention to what you're getting and adjust according to what you are getting if necessary. That's always going to be true. So give hierarchical reinforcement a try next time you're training something. Know that if... The dog doesn't care about the difference of the food. And by the way, they all do. If you think that your dog likes all food equally, I promise I could present you with something that would prove you wrong. So get clever, get creative. If you're saying, well, this won't work for me. My dog likes kibble as much as steak. Well, great. Does your dog like kibble as much as he likes frozen green beans? Does he like it as much as he likes ice cubes? How about steak versus ice cubes? Like there's always a hierarchy that exists. You can always get smarter than where you are right now. Give it a shot. See how it works. It's best used when you are either going to be maintaining different responses like recall training, or if you're trying to select out a certain set of responses, you're trying to, you don't want to not reinforce really good efforts like that four off the board stop, but you want to see the two on two off stop happen more often. So give it a shot. Let us know how it goes. All right. And I've got a few Patreon questions for you. The first one comes from Rebecca who writes, I have a 10 month old blue healer thistle who is sweet and very friendly. We've been involved with socializing in every possible way since I adopted her from a rescue at eight weeks. Her issue is that she gives inappropriate greetings for some people, and sometimes she's an angel, but others she jumps up. I love to take her on off-leash walks in nature, but now that she's full-size, I can't let her roam freely unless I trust her to stay off of a new person she may meet along the way. I've so far been able to recall and get her on a long lead before new people cross our path, but I don't want to rely on this because I'm afraid one day that the person will be too tempting. My biggest issue is that I'm constantly saying off and even I get annoyed at hearing that word so much. Is there a word that you recommend for four on the floor that is clear and can be given at a distance? She loves learning tricks and new commands come pretty easy, but the off one has become really overused as it comes for countersurfing, uninvited furniture, jumping, and the biggest of inappropriate greetings. Thanks. And I love the podcast. Rebecca, sounds like you've been working really hard with Thistle and your question 
seems like just, do I have a different word? And the answer to me would just be, it doesn't really matter what word it is. I mean, it could be, it could be anything that, that makes sense to you. You just need to apply it and then reinforce it positively. But I think your bigger question is kind of, to me, the more interesting part of this question is about being afraid that your puppy will jump on people and being maybe not sure that you can give her that freedom because I'd probably be recalling my puppy instead of yelling off because there's no way for me to reinforce that off if I'm not right up there able to reinforce that appropriate greeting. So I'd be more likely to be recalling and then paying heavily and kind of almost teaching my dog to automatically return to me if they meet other dog, if they meet people off leash socialization does not mean saying hi to everybody. And it definitely doesn't mean saying hi to anybody when you're off leash. In fact, I want my dog's default to be if they see somebody to come back. So I will give the recall cue pretty consistently if they see somebody else. And I'm trying really hard to walk them in plenty of places where they don't see people all the time so that that's not kind of constant. Sounds like you're doing great you know, look up the word off in different languages and see if there's something that feels better to you. But in general, maybe think about using your recall instead. Okay, next one's from Savannah who writes, I have a two-year-old border collie named Nix and a one and a half-year-old German shepherd named Loki. Nix likes to play fetch, but if Loki is present, he will herd her. And the word herd is in quotations here. Biting at her face and generally bully her to stop her from getting the ball. Thank you for describing what that looks like, Savannah. Beyond management and just not having him around when we play fetch with her, is there a way to stop him practicing this behavior? He only does this with her and no other dogs. So really, really common for these young dogs, especially herding type dogs to want to control the movement of other dogs, especially dogs that they know and are super familiar with, which sounds like that's what's going on, Savannah. The way through it is training. So I'd be training, training, training Loki to do a downstay while you play fetch with Nyx, basically throw the ball for Nyx and then release Loki to fetch his own ball and kind of trade off. It's got to be kind of a cooperative situation. You have two highly intelligent herding breeds. You're not going to get away with just tossing a chuck at casually. You didn't buy two Labradors. You bought two, you bought German Shepherd and a Border Collie. So you have to be kind of more controlling than they are and put yes, manage when you don't feel like managing or training, don't have Loki around and train Loki by himself to do some good fetch games and to have some good outlets because he's finding his outlet in controlling mix and he needs an outlet somewhere else. And Eve writes tips and tricks for increasing duration of behavior, such as sit down and stand. I'm a pretty fast twitch person with a fast twitch puppy who's six months old. She can respond to a cue, but if I don't reward immediately, she starts offering behaviors. I've tried ping ponging duration, slicing it finer, many pieces of food, which helps while she's eating, but not two seconds more. I've taken it to new environments, varied my position, et cetera. I'm trying not to resort to physically holding her in place, which won't help her learn, but will make me feel better. Help. Okay. So Eve, it's a good question that a lot of people have. And the problem is it comes back to your foundations and your foundation training. You said you're a fast switch person with a fast switch puppy. So it sounds like neither of you understand stillness very well, especially when it comes to training. If the dog starts offering behaviors as the second they've not been rewarded, that is a misunderstanding of what is expected of them. It's a lack of kind of stimulus control on that behavior. I would teach the dog a room service marker. I would basically a marker cue that when you say it, it means you're bringing food to them and that they should hold position. This does look like rapid fire feeding at first. And there are lots of different resources. If you look on YouTube, 
for teaching this kind of thing. But essentially, you've got to teach the dog to wait where they are for reinforcement. It sounds like probably what you've taught most of is offering behaviors, which is kind of why I don't train like that. I don't train them to offer behaviors. I train them that I am going to set them up for the right behaviors and that I don't need them to throw stuff at me. Keep trying. Also, the puppy is six months old and some of them are just not capable of being still that young. And so maturity is also important. And the last one for this week comes from Emily who writes, I'm wondering about your feelings on dogs using recordable buttons to communicate. Uh, Common uses are to ask for things, activities, people, or to ask for help and to comment on worries, injuries, surroundings. I've read a lot of commentary from pet dog owners, but have yet to hear professionals weigh in. So if you don't know what she's talking about, there's a really famous kind of influencer dog named Bunny who uses these buttons to sometimes have almost like complex sentences and things like that. My perception is that I am very skeptical on whether or not the dog is using complex language. I fully see it would be easy to teach them to hit the right button to ask for certain things. You could absolutely have buttons that said food, play, outside, things like that, and just simply have them hit that button and then provide that consequence. It's a simple positive reinforcement procedure. Absolutely, they could do that. Absolutely, they could ask for things or activities. Absolutely, they could ask for certain people. I start to get skeptical personally when they are trying, when it appears as though they're trying to communicate about injuries or concerns that they have. I am not going to stand here and say that I know everything. And I think that more research is certainly needed and more research is being done. But from where I'm standing, what I believe strongly, of course, because I don't even need to believe it because it's it's simple, simple learning science is that the dog could hit a certain button to get to a certain consequence for sure. It's when the buttons are being used for complex language that I have questions and I'm not saying it's not real, but I am saying I have questions. Thanks, everybody. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe and leave me a review. If you'd like to support this podcast, head over to patreon.com slash cogdogradio. You might even hear me answer your question on the show. For more content like the stuff you heard here, check out my online courses at cog-dog-classroom.teachable.com.